We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome. It's Ed Martin and it's the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. Appreciate it very much. And we have a lot to talk about. You know, uh, this today, you know, April 28th, 2020, you talk about the things that are going on in this country and across this land. And and as I was getting ready for the show, uh, show I saw uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom, who was speaking to the press. You know, he's gotten to, he's understood that the uh, rhythm of this crisis, he's like Cuomo. Cuomo, uh, Newsom, and President Trump understand they have the captive uh, eyes of the country and they're using it. And using it, Governor Newsom is doing a lot of uh, television and they seem to covered i I did notice i I, on this uh, idea of the what i call the fireside chats the regular discussions of what's happening that president trump has been doing whether in the in the white house uh, uh briefing room or in the rose garden or at his desk but daily i think it's been very effective i don't think you should listen to the folks that are complaining about it but i discovered in reading uh that the governors that are not as well known are doing the same thing governor dewine of ohio does an update at two o'clock every day and he gets a lot of his citizens to pay attention. My point here is um, you don't have to go through the old uh, filters of the media like you used to. You can go straight to the horse's mouth, as they say. And that's a new thing. That's a new thing. So uh, it's important. But listen, what you need to know today is so, so important. And I want to get right to this and talk about it. What you need to know today, it's about General Flynn. And it's about what we've now seen come forward. And I, I, I have some information that I can't share with you on some of the details of what's coming. I've talked about this yesterday on the program, a little bit later on in this show. In a segment, we'll have a guest who's an expert on what's happened. But I, and I'll, tomorrow on my uh, weekly webinar, which is called The Constitution According to President Trump, where we study the Constitution and how President Trump has illuminated it, we're going to talk about a U.S. Supreme Court decision called, about, called the Brady decision which describes how uh, the government, when they're prosecuting you, they're supposed to give you any evidence that would be exculpatory. That's the word they use. It's a legal term. It's a you know catchy term. Just means anything that might be good for your side. If you're the defendant in a, in a case against the government, you should be given. They shouldn't hide stuff from you. In other words, if they find something that is helpful for your case, you should get it. Here's what you need to know. General Flynn has been the victim of this incredible witch hunt. But the federal uh, agents, and particularly the prosecutors in this case, but the agents and prosecutors, it appears, and I know more than I'm telling you, that, that I, know more that's, I know more than is public. I did speak with General Flynn last, yesterday afternoon uh, briefly. Uh, none of what I'm going to tell you is what he said. We talked about other stuff, family and things, because we're friendly. But I do know things, having talked to some folks at sources at the White House. What happened last week was that the FBI agent, the U.S. attorney that I mentioned on the show, Jeff Jensen, who's been looking into this, found more than I think, well, than I'm told we could ever imagine that is exculpatory for Flynn. Memos, characterizations, notes, and it was all withheld from him. 
Now, if this is true and if the extent of it is true when it comes out and it will, it will either come out this week or next week or in five weeks or sometime, it will come out. Here's my prediction is what you need to know. Men and women who did this, the men and women who did this, they need to go to jail. It's not enough just to um, tell the world that these are corrupt and bad people which is kind of what, what happened to Strzok, right? Peter Strzok left and was told, everyone said, wow, what a, what a not nice guy. But the people that did this to this General Flynn and to the country, to the country, really, they need to go to prison. They need to go to prison for long terms. What you need to know is what they did truly was, as our, our, you know, our, our, our friend uh, last week when we had him on, David Horowitz used the term, and I, I called him on it to ask him, it, what they did was traitorous. These are traitors to the American people. The people that engineered not just a smear of Flynn, that's politics, but they engineered using the power of the federal prosecution, the power of the special investigator, the power of government against we the people, they did it to us. To be honest with you, and he's my friend, had they just destroyed General Flynn, it would have been terrible. It would have been a terrible injustice. And maybe in some ways, all injustices are, 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 are infinite in the eyes of the person suffering it. But that's not what they did. They did it to Flynn, and then they did it to the American people. They took our institution, and they diminished it, they degraded it, they desecrated it, however you want to say it. But our system in America, we rely on not just the Constitution, not just the rule of law, but a, a sense that we, the people, that we live together and share certain understandings and values that make it so that we can be honorable. You know, in the rest of the world, they just use the they use corruption. They just do whatever they want. And they say, well, I have more power than you do. They don't have a sense. Uh, uh, yeah, that's right. Someone just said Gwen Kelly just said just Gwen said to me that, that Flynn did it for us. Flynn, Flynn was serving us. He did it for us. But in other parts of the world, they have corruption, right? They have corruption where they don't care what the law is. They just care if you have power, you do what you want. That's not America. And from the beginning, the American system worked because we, the people, bought in, including those that were serving in office and serving in elected office and high office in the military, whether you go from George Washington down to James Monroe, who celebrates a, a birthday today, all that, those people bought into the vision that you had a constitution, had a rule of law, and you had these common values. You can say they're Judeo-Christian in origin. I think they are. But whatever, however you want to get there, and there they certainly are, but I mean, they're, they're, they, 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 whatever they are, they, they made commerce possible. They made the law working possible. All those things. It's not just a set. It's not only a set of words on paper. It is that better than anything ever before. But that's not the only part of it. There's a part of it that's about we the people. And what these men and women did to Flynn and to us is traitorous. It's treasonous. Now, I'm not sure it's the, it, all the uh, all the um, not every one of these acts will be deemed to be treason under the law, but it's pretty close. But it's certainly traitorous. And I believe that when we get here, hey, thanks, Fern. Fern just jumped in from Sedalia, Missouri. Thanks for jumping in, Fern. Appreciate it. By the way, Fern, you got a great uh, Twitter feed. Send send this out to your Twitter feed. Will you pass it on to other people? I know our folks that are listening on the Answer San Diego, uh, listen on the radio. If you tune in at Eagle Ed Martin, and we're doing the program, this portion of the program on Periscope, you can see you amplifying all over the country. So thanks for jumping in. But what we the people 
have to demand now is accountability for what happened. It's not enough that the Mueller report was debunked. It's not enough that the Russia hoax was debunked. It's not enough that we know these people were just vain and all. We must now get to the bottom of this in order to be restoring the trust necessary for our system to keep working so well. And you know what I started to say, and I got interrupted seeing some good people join in on our Periscope. And what, and what I tell you, is, what you need to know is this. It looks like the bad actors in this case that we all wondered, well, is it real? Are they really doing this? When we saw Susan Rice was suddenly in the in the weeks after the election in, in November unmasking. I fact check me on exactly the timeline, but it was suddenly she was unmasking in, in, in many of the documents that were in briefing papers who the people were that were involved. And she was doing that, so it was sent out. It wasn't broadcast to the world. It wasn't in the news, but it was broadcast to enough people that it leaked. And Clapper was leaking, and Brennan was leaking, and people were lying and all. And you say, were these guys just sort of, um, you know, vain, you know, terrible, uh, unprincipled uh, people? Or was it a system? Was it a system of people that were willing to do this? That's what it looks like. And I have to tell you that if, if General Flynn, you know, uh, has one, maybe he wants to go play golf or, or go surfing. You know, he's a surfer. He deserves whatever he wants to do, he should do. But if you ask me what General Flynn could do for America when he's exonerated or pardoned or whatever, it would be to use all the skills and all the gifts that God gave him that made him a guy. He didn't go to West Point. He worked his way up in the army, became an army fighter and was a soldier, a hero, a general, then became the expert on, on, on the intelligence and he served with distinction. Everybody said that. All those skills. Young man, he's only in his early 60s. To, to track down who did this and help hold them accountable in every way we have to. We have to do it. That's what you need to know. We, we cannot sustain ourselves when we have these kinds of acts against us by our own people. We got enough problems with the with we'll talk later on about China and others. We got enough problems, you know. We had enough problems with with enemies from without than to deal with enemies within. And that's what you need to know. That's what you know. It's that's that important. It's that important. And now's the time to start understanding the drumbeat to demand accountability. We've got to do it. All right, we're gonna take a break, um, and we'll be right back on the uh, on the radio. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro America Report. Be right back. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And our next guest, you know, I, I don't know if she knows this. I think I was supposed to have her on the show when we were broadcasting from CPAC um, a few a few months ago. feels like a lifetime ago uh, because she was there. She is the, Tracy Beans, the founder and editor of UncoverDC.com. UncoverDC.com. You should go there and check out what she's doing. You can follow her on Twitter at UncoverDC. That's the her uh, the um, the um, or her website and the, and the organization thing. Or at Tracy Beans with a Z on the end. And that's beans with a Z on Twitter. Welcome, Tracy. How are you? I'm good. I think that was when I got stuck downstairs because Vice President Pence was visiting. 
<laughs> yeah, we all did. I would try not to remember these things, but it was not it was not the best moment for CPAC to advertise how well Media Row and everything was going to work because we were all stuck and it was went on for way too long. But um, now, listen, I want to ask you before we get to General Flynn, who I just was speaking about, I want to ask you about uh, Nunez and the Nunez memo and 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 how it is that the media after the Russia hoax broke, you know, and, and I mean, and, and it sort of fell apart that there hasn't been any admit as far as i can see any admission that nunez was telling the truth and schiff was lying right am i am i overstating that 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 that, that's what really we know now no you're not overstating it at all the nunez memo was spot on everything in it was completely factual and he was raked over the coals for that memo at the time and adam schiff's memo was a, a literal packet full of lies and there has not been a peep about it it's it's amazing to me, and I, I mean it's not amazing because now we're living in a world where we're sort of post um, any news that really matters. So you have to sort of it's, it's one of the reasons why I, I'm sure that UncoverDC.com your site is getting more and more traction because people want to see it. And again, we're talking with Tracy Beans, the founder and editor of Uncover DC. All right, um, General Flynn. Now you, who I'm sure, and I've seen what you've been doing on this for a long time now, months and months. Even you must now be like kind of like shaking your head, like can it get? any worse i mean now we've got more of these details coming out and i'm told reliably you probably know this too there's even more coming right the flynn situation is going to become even more walk us through what we've seen most recently and what you think it means absolutely it's disgusting and it's hard not to get emotional even when you're covering it from an unbiased perspective you're just like wow this is this is too much so actually right before the program today there was another filing so there's a couple different things going on here Flynn had General Flynn had former counsel. He had a different law firm representing him through this, and he fired them in July of 2019. And he brought in Sidney Powell. And when he brought in Sidney Powell, the law firm is supposed to transfer over all their files so that Sidney Powell has right. a good representation of what the case was. Well, we found out today that last week they told us they forgot some and they found some emails and stuff. And then today they made a filing that they found 6,800 documents that they did not provide to General Flynn. Um, On top of that, there's also now this special prosecutor that's taking a look at the case that that William Barr assigned to take a look at some of the Mueller prosecutions. And he's looking at the case and he finds a bunch of exculpatory information, information that is validating to Flynn's innocence. And that was never provided by the FBI to General Flynn. And they, they hand that stuff over. So what I think happened, just in piecing this together quickly, is that the government provided to Sidney Powell and General Flynn emails and things that the government had possession of because they were between the former counsel and the government. And then Sidney Powell said, well, I didn't get these from the law firm. And they realized oh they were in hot water and had. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's what I think probably happened for this to for this to come out like this. And, and it's just it's malfeasance up and down, left and right. You can't get around it. It's really, really bad. Well, I mean, but then now let's pull back for one second. And, and again, we're talking with Tr- Tracy Beans. And, and th- this is important for me to say, because I'm all for going after uh, the lawyers, Covington and Burling, which is the original firm that appears to have both maybe given him bad advice or partial advice. Maybe they, they knew their uh, opponents across the V, as we say, in the Department of Justice, and they were trying to work a deal out. Everybody was going, this will be better. This will be easier, whatever that. But that's one claim. And I'd say um, that uh, General Flynn likely gets back every nickel he paid them and more. I mean, if I'm Covington and Burling, 
calling. I'm con- contacting my, uh, you know, my, my, my malpractice carrier is on the case now because they know they got a problem. But pushing that aside, at what point does the judge say, okay, the combination of DOJ coming in and saying, here's now, m- maybe this actually makes that what DOJ gave to um, to uh, to um, Sidney Powell. Was it does that make it less likely that it was exculpatory in the sense that maybe she should have already had it? Covington Burling didn't give it to her. I mean, I, if he, I, what I don't know is at what point is the judge or maybe DOJ going to say, we can't sustain this. We got to stop this. I- you know, it's got to happen sooner rather than later. I, I judges set deadlines in the case for when the government needs to respond because Sydney Sydney Powell had filed a motion for to dismiss the case for egregious government misconduct. I mean, the government was so horribly, you know, treated him so horribly, so unfairly that the case just needs to be dismissed. Um, and and she filed a supplement to that yesterday, and the judge ruled on when those replies have to be in by and it's next week and you know this judge has been very lenient with dates but he's kind of pounding the pavement now um i I don't i don't see how the doj continues to hold this case up when now we have you know emails between the do between van grack the special counsel's attorney and flynn's former attorneys that are kept secret off of any record keeping device saying hey by the way um we won't prosecute his son if you can get him to plead guilty to this and, you know, what that indicates is that they were trying to get a plea deal out of General Flynn to use him as sort of like a token, quote, conviction right. in the special counsel investigation. Um, it, it's it, the, the case that they were holding Mike Flynn Jr. in their crosshairs over was a Farrah case that was unrelated to really unrelated to General Flynn at all that they tried to convict his business partner on. They got a conviction right. in that case, and the judge threw the case out and overturned the conviction because it was so poorly handled, and there was so little evidence. So this is the type of stuff we're dealing with here. It's, it's horrible. Yeah. Uh, it's we're hard. talking with, uh, again, Tracy... Tracy Beans and it's UncoverDC.com and she's a founder and editor and she's also on Twitter at Tracy Beans. Uh, Tracy has no E in case you get carried away and put an E after the C and then Beans is with a Z at Tracy Beans on Twitter and at um, UncoverDC on Twitter. Uh, but Tracy, um, now here's what I here's the point I hit and my listeners know this. I, I now say, OK, it wasn't like Strzok and Page were out of hand and Comey was a hack. The whole system looks rotten now, right? I mean, it required the FBI to play along. It required the, and then in the, it required the prosecutors to play along with Covington and Burling. It looks like, I mean, it looks like everybody was playing along. Maybe they thought they were just playing the usual, you know, swamp orchestra. But it, it, it doesn't look like a one-off now. And the question I have is, okay, where is Christopher Ray? You know, is Barr going to really drop the hammer? I mean, there's some prosecutors and some FBI folks that look like they at least broke all the rules, the relevant rules, if not the law. Where, where am I wrong? You're not. You're not wrong at all. That's 100 percent right. And in terms of Christopher Ray, you know, there's an argument back and forth about what he's even doing. My opinion, again, this is just my opinion, is that he's basically a figurehead FBI director right now. It seems to me that Barr really has the reins pulled and he's handling most of all of this. You know, there's no uh-huh. reason why these documents provided to Sidney Powell the other day shouldn't have been provided months and months and months ago. And there's no reason why a special prosecutor had to come in to find them when they're at the they're at the, the fingertips of the FBI. Literally no reason. So take from that what you will about Christopher Ray. 
All right, Tracy, if you had to predict, what do you think happens? I mean, I know it's a crazy, this is insane to say, this is like picking, this is like predicting the next thing the president's going to uh, say at a, at a White House press briefing. But if you had to <laughs> take a, a $5 bet and predict what we see next in this, what do you think? What do you predict? I really do think that the DOJ is going to withdraw the case. Um, either that or the judge is going to rule on it in rapid fashion. I, I just, I don't see how the DOJ can stand on its own two feet and move forward with this. If, if the judge grants the plea, he, you know, if the, if the judge grants the motion to revoke the plea, they're going to have to go to trial on this case. And I don't see how the DOJ could even hope to pray to win against General Flynn on a lying charge that he never even committed. So I think they'll drop it. And and if they drop it, the the, the feds could the federal prosecutors could drop it. Correct me if I'm wrong. My you know I, federal uh, criminal procedures not wasn't my strength in law school. Um, they they all they have to do is basically file and say we we don't want to go forward. Right. I mean you, you're sort of the, the prosecutors can say we're and then and then the thing folds up. The judge doesn't have to do anything. Is my point? Correct. Yes. Yep. And and, and, um, and go ahead. And if they if they. If they go ahead and do that, the only reason why I could foresee, and maybe you can correct me on this, is that they don't want the liability of the ridiculous lawsuit that General Flynn is going to file against the FBI when this is all <laughs> said and done. Because then they're technically admitting yeah. guilt, right? They're drunk. So there's that. Well, I think what, yeah, I mean, I think that you, you sound like, it's funny you say that. I, and I, this is I, I, my wife's response, because we know General Flynn pretty well. And she said, he should sue everybody. And I said, spoken like the, the wife of, a, of a, a lawyer, too. But I think you're probably right. <laughs> Although at a certain point, it's getting worse for them, not better to keep it going. I mean, and if you're if you're bar, you're saying, well, it's not my money when I have to settle that lawsuit with Flynn, you know, what? because it was these guys, these idiots that did this. Um, but you, you may well, be right. All right. I got to run. Uh, Tracy B. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. Exactly. That's a different problem. But uh, where do we go to get that? Tracy Beans, UncoverDC.com. Thanks for coming on with us. We'll have you on again. Very helpful. And uh, UncoverDC.com is the website. We'll talk again soon. Uh, and we will take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Be back in a minute. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. And uh, we have as our guest uh, our old friend Hans von Spakovsky, who is over at the Heritage Foundation at the Mies Center and is an expert on both constitutional law and uh, election law and a lot of other things. And um, Hans, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing just great, thanks. So uh, before we get into more of the details, you know, and we will, um, Joe Biden, uh, the supposedly the uh, Democrat nominee, uh, at least the front runner or whatever it is, has been talking about um, early voting as a great solution to all the uncertainty and all. I, I, I just I guess. I just want to ask you it this way. And of course, for our listeners, Hans von Spakovsky is a, an attorney and has a, a, mon, a bun, bunch of different roles, including as at the FEC, the Federal Election Commission. He was a commissioner. Um, but just the politics of it. The Democrats want this. And, you know, what's the why? Well, I guess they believe that somehow it will give them an advantage um, in the upcoming election. But, of course, it doesn't make much sense uh, for, for this reason. We're all supposed to be doing social distancing. Uh, why in the world <laughs> would they think that it's a good idea to have in-person early voting if that's uh, the reason for it? Particularly because, look, in a typical county, 
Um, they may have hundreds of polling places open on election day. They only do early right. voting in a couple of locations. So actually, the chances of a big crowd are much greater during the early voting process than during the regular voting process. Right. Um, Hans, what do you think about this? One of my listeners uh, went on Facebook and said, and I don't know if anybody's ever done this. I know in my experience in St. Louis, we did when we had someone who came to vote and they had um, disabilities that made it difficult for them to get out of the car. We would get curbside voting. We'd send uh, two workers out, you know, and they'd vote curbside. Has anybody ever thought about that? One of our listeners said, hey, just do drive through, but make their photo ID required. So you could drive through and vote, but you have photo ID required. Anybody ever think of that in other parts of the world, like a straight up real drive through? Well, in fact, um, remember, Wisconsin just held their primary. I was just reading through their procedures. And guess what? the procedures were that they did the people who uh, didn't uh, didn't or couldn't come into the uh, polling place they had a phone number you could call the polling official would come out you would show them your voter id through the window with your window up and then once they verified it they handed you a ballot with using a a, a, a plastic sleeve and they would you just crack the window they push the sleeve through so you could take out the ballot mark it up, you put it back in the plastic sleeve, slide it through the crack in your window, give it to the election official, and you were done. So Wisconsin actually did that. Well, and the thing about that that would be interesting is, here's my worry. I mean, you you, you know even more uh, of the politics of elections than I do, so I'm telling somebody that's going to correct me as I need it. But the the left and the media is going to, if it's convenient, and it likely will be, make the crisis of this situation more and more important. You know, I'm sure you saw in the, in the New York Times that the, the Wisconsin Supreme Court justice elect who won, whose name happily fails me. I don't need to give her name out. But she wrote a piece two days ago where she said, oh, you know what? People that had to vote in person in Wisconsin, some of them were even sick because they had to be in person. I don't, I don't think she has any proof, but you know, the New York Times ran it on their op-ed page. So the media is going to say it's a crisis, it's a crisis, it's a crisis. And then they're going to look to solve it by something that is worse. It could be that this could be that maybe this is an answer to the you want a crisis 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 okay vote by car we'll line up you can vote by car and and but you got to show an id right you got to and i don't know i mean i think um i hate to say it but i i think we need to play offense and think about what we can do um to uh to fight it up now the um tell me in your piece which is running ran over on fox news and i should say that your colleague uh, christian adams wrote it with you tell us some of these failures you call them mail ballot failures that people need to remember uh the, the, these are, this data is taken from the U.S. Election Assistance Commission. This is out of their report that they send to Congress every two years when they report on election results. And according to the data they got from the states, literally millions of absentee or mail-in ballots uh, went either missing, that is, they handed them over to the U.S. Postal Service and they have no idea what happened to them, or they were misdirected. The Postal Service sent them back saying, uh, no such registered voter uh, lives here. (laughs) How large are the numbers? In 2016, remember, Hillary Clinton got 2.9 million votes more than the president, the national popular vote. According to EAC reports, six and a half million votes uh, were misdirected or it's unknown. The states don't know what happened to them. That's twice. That's twice as many votes as the 2.9 million of Hillary Clinton. Wow. 
Wow. That that now that's um that is that's the that's the best way to present that. I think that is the best way to present. It. All right. So, but now let me ask you the policy argument. When you go out and argue policy with people that want to do mail in ballots, what's your best for reasonable people? You know, reason that actually want to talk about it. It's like I used to tell people, you want a paper trail on elections and uh, 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 votes, I'm for it. Doesn't mean you have to have a paper ballot. You could have a paper trail on an electronic machine that, that has to be sufficiently good enough that you can follow it. In, in St. Louis, right. we did that. We had you could do either one, but you had to have. And in fact, at the time, Secretary of State Robin Carnahan said, "Oh no, no, some of the machines they they, they can't. Um, you you shouldn't be burdened by. It's just electronic. It's trustworthy. Don't worry about the paper trail." And we we're like, "No, no, always a paper trail, but just maybe not always paper ballots." That was my assessment of the situation. When you go talk to people that are reasonable about early voting can you persuade them do they get it or is it just a a sort of blind spot because it's political no they 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 can be persuaded because i always make a couple a couple of points to them one you're making a mistake as a voter if you vote four weeks before election day because that means that if there is serious news uh scandals that come out information uh, relevant to the uh, candidates you can't change your vote and anybody who doubts that, just take a look very quickly at what happened. Uh, remember, Super Tuesday primary in March, more than a dozen states voting. Two days and one day before that primary, two of the major Democratic candidates, uh, Pete Buttigieg and Senator Klobuchar, dropped out. If you total right. up the number of votes that uh, voters had already cast for those two during early voting, literally hundreds of thousands of people wasted their votes. The um, I think that's right. I think we need to make more arguments about that, Hans. We're talking with Hans von Spakovsky, and he's over at Heritage Foundation in the Mies Center. I think we need to make that argument more, Hans, because I think the idea of people recognize how fast information changes and moves now. It's not yeah. like the old days where you kind of know everything you know a month out. I mean, in some ways it is, right? We'll know every, every wart and everything in a certain sense, but you don't know like how the economy is. You don't know, and things that will move you. And it, we want a snapshot in time, right? We, I think that's the, the goal that we right. have here. All right, I want to uh, get you to say one more thing about a, a, a column earlier. It was about a month and a half ago and a month before this one. You wrote about, can Trump use coronavirus to delay the 2020 election? A lot of people are floating that canard they say oh trump's going to delay the election i mean first of all can he and second of all what's the practical reality uh no he cannot the practical reality is the president has no power whatsoever to do that the constitution gives the authority to set the date of both the presidential election and congressional elections to congress they are the ones that passed a very long time ago the statute that sets the uh, November date for elections. The only way the election could be date could be changed or delayed would be if a bill passed through the U.S. House, the U.S. Senate, and was signed by the president amending the current federal statute. Right. Right. Well, good. Well, I, I think that's important for people to hear. It's not that's not going to happen. As you know, Pelosi's not going to let it happen. And McConnell's not either. And nobody's going to let it happen. So. All right. As always, Hans von Spakovsky, a voice of reason and insight. Thanks uh, for being with us on this. Stay well. Uh, and we'll talk again very soon, I'm sure, as the issues come up. We appreciate you very much. Sure, thanks for having me. All right. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in a minute. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, the conservative pro-family broadcast of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a leading voice for the sanctity of life, 
traditional education, the Constitution, and American sovereignty. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Caucuses are a great American institution. They're a political meeting like no other. Do you know where the word caucus comes from? Its origins can be traced all the way back to the founding father, Samuel Adams, in the early days of his political organizing. Adams discovered that the best way to turn political thinking into action was by organizing campaigns with like-minded citizens. With these club members at his side, Adams was able to take on the powers that be and effect great change in his hometown of Boston. It was nothing the colonies had ever seen before. And with Boston being a port town, it was fitting that Samuel Adams' detractors would call his movement Cocker's Clubs. That was a clear reference to ship caulkers that kept boats waterproofed. Eventually, the derisive term was transformed into the caucus that we all know today. The rich history of America's grassroots politics is rooted deeply in our heritage. Pardon the pun, but it really was revolutionary. Before America came on the scene, citizens were beholden to the will of their sovereign. Rights were only granted with the king's permission. Patriots like Sam Adams turned the system upside down. Instead of rights coming from the king to the citizens, the government's right to rule came from the citizens. The right of people to make their voices heard was recognized as being granted by God alone. Because of this bold new system of government, grassroots action became both powerful and potent. A citizen with a good idea and the passion to fight for it could force change in the system. People ask me all the time what we can do to make the people's voice heard again in Washington, D.C. I don't have any revolutionary new ideas for them. The revolution already happened. The greatest thing we can do is to embrace the system of grassroots power established by our founding fathers in the first place. It doesn't sound glamorous. It may not sound flashy. Actually, it sounds like a lot of work. That's because it is. Keeping America free isn't easy. What I can tell you is that it is effective. Just ask Sam Adams. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Whether it's the vision of our founding fathers, the courage of our veterans, the moral compass of Christopher Columbus, or the fortitude of presidents like Lincoln and Reagan, the truth of history should not be undercut by liberal ideology. At Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, we honor history even as we look to the future. Join us at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Welcome. It's Ed Martin, and it's the Pro-America Report. And today, I want to spend some time talking about James Monroe. James Monroe, President Monroe, he was our fifth president, as you know, and I like to quiz my children about. We always memorize the presidents and talk about them. Uh, He was in office from 1817 to 1825. Before he was in office, he was uh, very, very uh, important. He'd been uh, been governor of Virginia. I know that. He'd also served, I think, in the Senate. Yeah. And um, but he was also uh, Secretary of State and Secretary of War, served as U.S. ambassador, U.S. ambassador overseas. He was an extraordinary, extraordinary man. And uh, born, of course, uh, in Westmoreland County, born in Virginia, most people know that, in Westmoreland County, just an extraordinary man. People don't know, I was reading up on him and uh, and uh, and paying attention. He also died on July 4th, uh, just like Adams and Jefferson did, which is amazing. But his, his was in 1831. I, you know, I've been familiar with uh, James Monroe for a long time, uh, but uh, in the last oh, few years, my good friend uh, Bill Thomas uh, is the 
he's the president of the James Monroe Memorial Foundation, and his dear friend and my board chairman of my work with the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles is the Honorable Helen Marie Taylor, uh, who of course is uh, down from Ar- lives in Orange, Virginia, and Richmond, and. And of course, as the Waco Museum, we've talked about on the show. But so these two great friends of mine, Bill Thomas, as well as Helen Marie Taylor, have invited me to participate in what has been an extraordinary, it's been a wonderful uh, privilege to be a part of the efforts uh, to commemorate and to be a part of uh, James Monroe, the celebration around his life. Uh, for, uh, the James Monroe Memorial Foundation, of which I mentioned, uh, Bill Thomas is the president. They have two events every year. One is the uh, at the birthplace uh, of uh, James Monroe in Westmoreland County. There's a ceremony there, which if you didn't know this, every president at, at um, has has uh, acknowledged, the second part of this is on the anniversary of the death of the president, there is an acknowledgement from the current president. So I was there um, at Hollywood Cemetery uh, down in Richmond, I guess it was last year. Uh, anyway, th- these two wonderful cere- uh, wonderful events each year uh, honoring the birthplace of, of um Monroe in Westmoreland County and also uh, his death and his life, which is down. He's buried at Hollywood Cemetery in Richmond, uh, Virginia, which is a wonderful, extraordinary, actually a, a, extraordinary, stunning um um, commemoration at his grave. It's this uh, sort of almost like a little uh, building around it, a trellised building. It's unbelievable. It was restored uh, not long ago, and the James Monroe Memorial Foundation hosts this great uh, event there. Um, so I, I, that's all to warm up to tell you. What I want to talk, though, about is the continuing validity of what James Monroe is perhaps most famous for. I think it's true he is, and that is the Monroe Doctrine. The Monroe Doctrine. And I have in my hand, I'm looking at online, a couple of the places where the late Phyllis Schlafly, my boss, wrote about this, and my mentor uh, wrote about the amazing Monroe Doctrine. Now, you you may have studied the Monroe Doctrine in your, in your uh, uh, history books, but you may not know some of the more specific aspects of it. So the Monroe Doctrine, people tend to think of it, and they say, well, the Monroe Doctrine, it was... It was um, you know, December 2nd, 1823, and Monroe promulgated this, and basically, we, we all believe, you know, stay out of our hemisphere is the message. Well, that's kind of true, but listen to this, and I'm going to read from the late Phyllis Schlafly from her writing. She wrote on the Monroe Doctrine back in, um, I guess it was 1980, maybe 1987, uh, because there had been an event. Yes, it was an event commemorating uh, the Monroe Doctrine and the importance of it uh, in, on April 28th in 1987 with President Reagan there and a whole bunch of other folks. So Phyllis Schlafly wrote this column, and here's what she wrote about the Monroe Doctrine. The Monroe Doctrine was proclaimed in President Monroe's message to Congress, December 2nd, 1823. Here's the great part of history. It was a response to an attempt by Imperial Russia under Tsar Alexander I to colonize the Pacific coast of America from Alaska to San Francisco. I bet you didn't know that. I think most people thought it was it was relating to the um, the European powers, and it was in the sense that uh, Russia was paired off with some of the European powers. But the essential part of the Monroe Doctrine, Phyllis Schlafly continues, is contained in these words, quote, this is from the Monroe speech by Monroe to Congress on December 2nd, 1823, President Monroe. The political system of the Allied powers is essentially different from that of America. We should consider any attempt on their part to extend their system to any portion of this hemisphere as dangerous to our peace and safety. Now, by Allied powers, Monroe was referring to Russia and the European governments. 
Now, the statement by Monroe was was amazing at the time. He, there was no standing army in America. We only had, I think, a small navy, maybe six sh- sailing ships, five sailing ships. I'm looking back at these notes. and But we had this incredible national identity already. already. And uh, John Quincy Adams was quoted about how important this was. The Marquis de Lafayette said this, the Monroe Doctrine was, quote, the best little piece, bit of paper that God ever permitted any man to give to the world. So the key in this, let me say to you, is the use of Monroe. He said the word system, system. Is there any been, has it ever been clear that the communist system, whether it was the Soviets or the Chinese, the system of what they're trying to spread into our hemisphere, whether in Greenland, Latin America, South America, the Chinese government, the communists, the system is not appropriate. That's what Reagan said in the 80s when he helped Grenada, when we, we fought off the, the, the Grenada, the problems in Grenada and other parts of Latin America and South America. But more than anything, I think we can say, and we should say loud and clear, the Monroe Doctrine from so long ago, 1823, coming up on 200 years ago, is more applicable today as we watch the Wuhan COVID virus hurt and kill Americans. We watch the the tech transfer hurt and kill businesses and invention. Fentanyl kill our citizens. James Monroe was right. It's good for us. We have the Monroe Doctrine, but we better strengthen and renew it. And you know, some of the Democrats, John Kerry said the Monroe Doctrine's dead. Well, John Kerry's out of office, thank goodness. And we need to keep that kind of thinking out of it. So to, you know, just, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I'll put all this up on social media. It's an amazing thing. Congratulations to my friend Bill Thomas and Helen Marie Taylor and their foundation and what they do, the museum down in uh, Fredericksburg and other things. And um, everybody should study this. It's more important than ever. All right, we're going to take a break. It's Ed Martin here. It's the Pro-America Report. 